0: Well, please remain standing with me and turn in your Bibles to the Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. If you're visiting with us today, um, maybe aren't a Christian or aren't familiar with the Bible, if you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to take one of those pew Bibles home with you. We would rather you have it uh, than it sit in that pew, so please take one home. Uh, Matthew, chapter 6, we've printed it for you in the Worship Guide. Um, Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 1. We're going to read through verse 6 and then skip to 16. This is God's Word. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then skipping down to verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, you have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You may be seated. Would you pray with me and ask God's blessing on His Word Preach. Let's pray. Father, as we come to Your Word, spoken by the Lord Jesus, put down by the inspiration of Your Spirit into these pages, we pray that by that same Spirit, You would make Jesus' words come alive to us so that we might hear His voice. Transform us by His Word that goes out and never returns to Him void without accomplishing all that it intends to accomplish. For those who are Yours, make us alive by Your Spirit through Your Word. For those whose hearts are hard, would You, Father, bring them to new life. Accomplish Your will in our midst. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here Jesus goes about sticking his finger in our hearts again. So we've said repeatedly, as we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, he really messes with us. Um, oftentimes, it's always the case with his word that he's messing with us, but he just goes deep, and And now he's sticking his finger into religious hypocrisy. And in doing so, I think he's really sticking his finger in the heart of our culture and the heart of our problem if you're not a Christian glad you're here one of your objections to Christianity most likely is that Christians are hypocrites and I'd say to you this you're in good company and Jesus has the same problem with us and he doesn't want his people to be this way he opposes it and I need to be honest with you This is a big problem in my own life. I mean, I think no other profession, no other calling comes with the trappings of being a hypocrite like being a pastor does. I mean, there's this constant temptation for people to see you as the spiritual leader. The one whose life just works, whose act is together, who's figured it out and can can make life in this world work the best. But underneath that desire, which I think is so present in all of us, and the reason it's present in all of us, is that hypocrisy really is an attempt to cover up a very deep craving. And that deep craving is for us to be accepted. Really, the craving is for us to be accepted as we really are. But we cover that up with... Hypocrisy, But here's the interesting thing about hypocrisy. This is one of the reasons Jesus opposes it. He wants his people to be authentic, to have integrity. And I use that in the the common way of being integrated. Like our public self and our real self are integrated together. We're authentic. This is who we really are. What you see is what we get. This is so appealing. Researchers... Research is pointing out that the lack of hypocrisy amongst gang members is one of the reasons that gangs appeal to the urban culture and the urban youth so much. Speaking of this, quote, it's an age-old story. Here's how it works. The drug kin- kingpin knows a kid's name. pastor does not. The church wants them to be neat and clean, but the streets are willing to take them as they are. When gangs attract because they don't expect people to be good but are willing to take them as they are yet the church's culture is that you have to pretend to be good to be accepted things are really askew in Christ's kingdom he just does not want it to be this way but I think we need to define our terms because hypocrite can mean a number of different things technically a hypocrite is a Greek actor who puts on a mask in order to perform a part now now Commonly, we call someone a hypocrite if they say one thing and do another, right? So, like a teenager might consider their parents to be a hypocrite if they're constantly telling them, look, the Bible reserves sex for a man and a woman in marriage, yet they know that their parents didn't keep that in their past. I said, well, you're a hypocrite. You didn't do it. Well, technically, that's not what Jesus is getting at here. Holding up the Bible as a standard by not living up to that standard, that just confirms the truth of the gospel, doesn't it? This is what God says. I've not met it. This is why I need Jesus. That's not hypocrisy. That's authenticity. That's honesty. Takes us back to the dual truth of the gospel. We're more broken and sinful than we could imagine. But in Christ, more righteous ...and adored as we are... ...than we could ever dare dream. I mean, Jesus has something... ...so much more insidious... ...evil in mind... ...when he's confronting hypocrisy here... ...in the Sermon on the Mount. It's the kind of hypocrisy... ...that pretends... ...for the sake of approval. So he has in his crosshairs... ...the man who prays... ...just so others will commend him... ...as a spiritual man of prayer... Or the person who gives to the poor so that others will take notice of him as a generous person. That person, that man, that woman, look at how much he gave. His name's in the paper. He's holding up a giant check that, so everyone can see and praise him for being a generous man. Or the woman who fasts just so others will notice. Her as a pious woman. Those are the people, those who this hypocrisy pretends For the sake of approval. And I want us to hear Jesus' warning here. He starts out in in verse 1 of chapter 6 with this command. This is the the verb, the imperative of verse 1. He leads with this. Beware. Beware of practicing your righteousness. Also translated in some of your translations as be careful. Some of your translations might read take heed also used in boating terms for when a ship's captain would bring his ship into port, he would have to know that port really well, because under the surface, there were obstacles that he had to beware of. Under the surface, Jesus, look, you need to be on guard, because under the surface of your heart, just looking lurking below the surface, are these obstacles of hypocrisy that you pretend To be somebody you're not. So that you could gain the approval of others. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. I mean, and don't miss this. Jesus isn't saying don't practice righteousness. It can be easy to skip over that. And think that because the gospel says Jesus will take you as you are. You don't have to clean up your act to come to him. You don't have to pretend to be something you're not for him to adore you. You come as you are. But the gospel also says to us, he will love you so deeply and so much, he will not leave you as you are. He'll transform you. That's saying don't practice righteousness. In fact, that's one of the goals of the Sermon on the Mount, is to create a life of obedience to his command. And he raises the bar on what that obedience looks like so that only by his power implanted in us we could live it out. So Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount actually calls us to a righteousness. Your righteousness, if you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven, has to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. The irony is that when Jesus plants new life in us, we begin to see how deeply broken we are. I mean, that's one of the effects. He is producing a righteousness in me by a newly implanted life, by his power. And as he's doing so, I become more aware of just how deeply broken I am. And I have two options at that point. I can either admit it or fake it. And so I feel like I need to say this every week, lest we get lost in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus isn't creating a good people, he's creating a new people. He's raising the demands of God so high that we should we should think, I could never be that, I could never do that on my own. He's raising the demands of God so high that only the power of death and resurrection could produce it in us. If your morality doesn't require that you be united to Jesus, it's not Jesus's morality. If your morality doesn't require death and resurrection, then it's not Jesus's morality. He brought a kingdom Right? And it's a kingdom of obedience to God, of honesty about who we are, but it's also a kingdom of new power and new life, not just new behavior. Miraculously, it's a, a new behavior that's fueled by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay? So that's my aside. He's calling us to practice righteousness in this passage. He's not saying, look, you can just go out and do, live your life however you want because I accept you as you are. I'm calling you, he says, to practice righteousness, particularly in this passage, three spiritual disciplines that need to be manifested in the Christian life. He doesn't say, don't give to the poor, don't pray, don't fast. In fact, he says it this way, when you give to the poor, not if. It's a mark of one who belongs to Jesus. They give their money away. They hold on to less as they're growing give more away right he turns the pattern on its head which is the more i get the more i use it for myself the gospel creates a pattern the more i get the more i give away because he did not hold back any good gift but gave us freely gave himself up for us all that we might then become cheerful givers when you give when you pray not if you pray but when you pray In fact, he expands on this in the verses that we skipped this morning. We're going to come back to it. He goes into the side of what the prayer should look like and and what it accomplishes. We'll come back to that in the weeks ahead. When you fast, not if you fast, when it becomes part of your life. And notice what ties all three of these disciplines together in the Christian life. The common thread that runs through all of them is a manifestation of righteousness and all three that requires us to die to ourselves when you give up the money that you could spend on yourself. When you pray, which admits in its core, I'm just not enough. I can't do this. So I'm pleading with you. Do something for me that I can't do to myself. I die of my pride in order I can be a man of prayer. I'm going to fast. I'm going to bring my body into submission. I'm going to give things up. To show you I'm your follower. You who gave up all things for my sake. Died to myself. The manifestation of the cross. When you die. It's the pathway to living. These are spiritual disciplines. That that don't come naturally to any of us. But disciplines that he expects. That Jesus expects to be manifested. In his people. us By his spirit. He's making us like him. Here is what he is saying. There is a trap, a very dangerous trap, and this is going to sound so funny, is the trap of Spirit-empowered holiness. There's a trap to holiness. When God produces a righteousness in me, and this is what Jesus is warning us against, when God, by His Holy Spirit, Produces a righteousness to me and I become like him. He said, "There's a trap. Be careful. Beware of this. It's lurking under the surface, and that is that you begin to practice your righteousness for the praise of others. John Stott makes it this point. He says, The question is not so much that Jesus is saying, it's not so much what the hand is doing, it's what the heart is thinking while the hand is doing it. And so Jesus adds this real reason kind of digs even deeper beware this is going to be a temptation it's born out of pride and the real reason you're going to want to practice your righteousness before other people is this so that you'll be seen by them I mean this is really just really insidious it's as evil as you can get God produces righteousness in me through the death and resurrection of Jesus there's nothing I can do on my own he does it in me and then by his spirit, I'm growing in holiness, holiest, and then I just use his good gift against him. You've done this. You've made me this way. ha, let me get the praise of others with it. And so there's an antidote that Jesus provides, and we've got to understand this problem. It's a problem he takes to our deep need. And a deep need is for a rooted identity that dwells in the approval of another. This is, this is our hunger, all of us. This is so true for all of us. What I long for at the core of my being is his identity that is the object of another's approving love. So in verse 3, he goes deep. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And I think what he's saying here is something more than just God should be your only witness. He is saying that, but I think he is saying so much more than just that. Because he's going to the core of what we long for, and that is to have the approval to build their identity on the approval of others. Don't why not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing? We got that backwards. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. The reason is, he's like, don't speak of this even to yourself. Don't build your identity here. Don't build your identity on the fact that you're doing good build your identity on the fact that you're righteous in Jesus Christ the problem with hypocrisy isn't that we pretend to be somebody that we're not the problem with hypocrisy is that we are not free to be who we really are because we are constantly trying to live off of the approval of others as our core identity and so Jesus offers us an antidote for this disease And it is the antidote of this. There is one who will delight in you and bring satisfaction. There's two things that I think we need to grasp so that we can be free from this plague of hypocrisy. And first, we need to realize that this desire to live off the approval of others is not a flaw in us, right? It's a design feature. The command, the warning, the verb, beware when he says it, for you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. That's the warning. But in each of the three examples he gives, prayer, giving, fasting, he attends not with warning anymore, but with promise. In each of these examples, and your Father, verse 4, who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 6, Your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Again, in verse 18. And your Father, who sees in secret when you fast to Him, will reward you. And don't miss this. God sees His people. He sees as a Father who notices His children. He notices you. You're uniquely important to the Father in heaven if you're in Jesus Christ, if He is your representative, your head, if you have entrusted your life to Him, then this is what the Father. I notice you; you're my child. I have an eye for you. It's particularly tuned in for you. Sure, you're you're practicing obedience. You ever watch a, a father watch his son play football? There's 22 other, 21 other people on the field, 22 people in total. And you know who the father notices? Could be a great play going on right the star athlete running off to the end zone but the father's watching his son who's on the line or in the backfield making a block why he doesn't delight in the one performing he delights in the one that he loves the father notices his children the approval of man is fleeting it's finicky isn't it there's a fleetingness of the honor of of mankind The irony of the word it just, it just doesn't last He's like, Jesus is like look if you perform In order to gain the approval of others Guess what You'll be rewarded You'll receive the reward It'll flash in the pan it's gone The approval of others is always sold to the highest bidder You give a million Next guy gives a million and a half They've forgotten you You give a dollar the next one gives two They've forgotten you Passes on to the next person, slowly degrades into doing better than the next per- person. And the message is, my performance leads to pleasure and it's fleeting and it never satisfies. And so Jesus is reminding us that the Father who sees his children also rewards them. He doesn't forget, He delights and rewards. And the word, though, isn't based on merit. It's not that I've, I've earned this and so God pours out the reward on me. It's award based on pursuit. And it works this way. The difference between merit and pursuit award is this. An award based on merit gives someone what they deserve and nothing more. Right? If I go to my job and I do my job and they pay me, that's it. That's all I'm getting. I'm just simply getting what I deserve. But award based on pursuit is extravagant. C.S. Lewis makes this point. This is the kind of reward that Jesus is promising. The kind of reward based on, on pursuit is like a young man who pursues the girl of his dreams. She is such the object of his desire, he's willing to forsake all others. Forsake his friends, forsake riches to pursue her. Well, she will reward that pursuit. She won't just give him what he deserves. She will give him herself and become his wife. And the natural outcome is a reward well beyond what one deserves. Or to mix the metaphor, a wage is meritorious. You only get what you deserve. But the reward of pursuit is to get so much more than you could imagine. The satisfaction of your deepest desires... And so if by faith you perform your righteousness for the audience of one, he'll reward you with more of himself. He will give himself, you'll experience his love and delight in your life. See, this is evidence. This table, do you see what this is? This is evidence of this promise. This is what Jesus says. I'm gonna come and meet with you. And you will have me. You will have a remembrance of my death and resurrection. You will have my spirit tend to this. So that you will experience the depths of my love for you. You will have me. So perform for the audience of one. Your heart will grow in affection for that one. And the reward of that one will be himself. The only one who is big enough and satisfying enough to meet the need of your heart to live with the delighting approval of one who satisfies so imagine this with me you're incredibly poor you don't know where your next meal is coming from you're so poor can't pay your electric bill so poor so you decide, you're, I'm going to make counterfeit money on home printer, right? My HP is going to turn out counterfeit money. You get pretty good at it. Right? I'm cranking out 10s and 20s because I can pass those off. No one's going to take a $1,000 bill from me. They're going to check it. But 10s and 20s, I can get those out into the open. But one day, a, a rich benefactor finds you. And in his love... An unexplainable love. While you're counterfeiting, he brings you into his family. You become his child. He immediately deposits a billion dollars into your account. Overnight, overnight, your counterfeiting efforts are now meaningless. You don't need it anymore. And then he gives you a place at his table. You always get to sit at his table. And to see, to look in the eyes and to see I love you. I found you at your worst. I love you. Now go. Go and and live out of all the riches I gave you. And this is what the gospel says to us. The gospel says, Jesus has credited his righteousness to me. I can't be any more righteous than I already am. Therefore, God accepts me and approves me so I don't have to pretend what I, to be what I'm not. I can be honest with where I actually am in the Christian life. I can be honest. You know, I I gave a little bit away, but I need to give more. I'm not very good at giving away. I'm really struggling. I want to be better. Be honest before God, calling down His help, honest before each other. Why? Because I'm living for the approval of one. I know I have it in Christ. I want to pursue righteousness because I want to know more of His approval. But the gospel also says to us that any personal righteousness I exhibit in my life is only the result of Jesus' work. I'm going to join the Apostle Paul and say, there's nothing good in me. The only good that I do is a result of the Spirit. So I can't, I'm not going to rest. I'm not going to build my identity on this. Because whatever I've done, I'm not going to use it to gain the approval of others. I already have the approval of God. And I'm not going to use it to build my identity on. Because whatever I have, whatever righteousness is growing in me, is the a result of Jesus. And so let me end with this, where I started. Let me end with a call. A short one. But an important one We need to be the kind of community Where hypocrisy is just not tolerated And authenticity is celebrated like We need to create the kind of relationships with each other Where we can ask someone How are you doing? And they can be honest with us But no, I'm just not doing very well I'm really struggling We need to lead with gospel authenticity. We need to be willing to bring people in to my life. I need your help. I'm not going to pretend anymore. Just bare commitment. I'm not going to pretend anymore to be better than I am. I'm going to be free. I'm going to admit this. And I'm going to nurture it in relationships. Can you imagine the end we could put to gangs and drug dealers in this community if we were that kind of community where the gospel was so glorious and so welcoming that people people who were willing to give their lives to gangs just to be accepted and known would find in Jesus something so much better and more satisfying let's put away hypocrisy let's be authentic Because it confirms the truth of the gospel Let's pray Father I would ask today That you would forgive me For being a hypocrite It comes naturally to me Put it away from my heart Put it away from our hearts Make us keenly aware So that we might take heed and beware but this danger is always lurking beneath the surface help us to put it to death help us give us the courage and the faith to be authentic remind us even as we sing and come to the table now that you take us as we are and love us too much To leave us as we are. We pray this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.